I'm Catherine Zox, your social worker with a microphone, and you're listening to The Catherine Zox Show. Joining me today is author, corporate anthropologist, and founder of Simon Associates Management Consultants, Andy Simon, PhD. We're going to be talking about how to combat loneliness, especially now. During the COVID-19 crisis, all of our lives have been disrupted. We're not connecting with family, friends, and colleagues like we used to, and it's easy to feel lonely. To help some of the people she was coaching, Andy Simon wrote down eight ways to combat this feeling and tested them on her business clients, executives, and even some friends. What they found was they could indeed address their own sense of being alone and fill their days with well-being and even happiness. Simon has a successful podcast on The Brink with Andy Simon that has more than 125,000 monthly listeners and is ranked among the top 20 futurist podcasts and top 200 business podcasts. She's appeared on Good Morning America, Bloomberg, and published in The Washington Post, LA Times, Forbes, Business Week, and more. Welcome to the show, Andy. What a pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me. Great to have you. Uh, Hope you're well. Um, I... We are in this COVID-19 crisis, and I have, it continues, I have know more and more people who have COVID, who have died from COVID. Uh, it seems um, on some level it's been getting worse, uh, obviously not better. But the big t- topic is loneliness, how to combat loneliness, especially now. And uh, you found the eight ways in which to do that. So I guess that's <laughs> what we want to talk about. What are those eight ways? People are feeling lonely, isolated, self-quarantine, um, all of those those emotions, uh, which really mm-hmm. makes us, yeah. Uh, you know, as um, an anthropologist, what we know is that people have survived because of um, living in herds. We're tribes. We love culture. We love socializing. In that, there's such research that socialization brings mental health, mental well-being. People like to talk to people, and it isn't it isn't casual. It matters because that's how we get an echo back that we are alive, that we're good, that we're healthy. So, the quarantine part is unfamiliar which the brain hates anyhow, and it doesn't quite know what to do with it. And out of it come these feelings of, in fact, being alone, of not having a a social um, life that affirms that we are good people. And so there are all kinds of things that emerge from it. So when I was working with my clients, um, they said, well, you know, how do we address this? I said, well, let's think about what kinds of things can we do that will um, supplant the lack of, of interpersonal connections. I mean, you don't even go into the supermarket and stand around and talk to the, the person who's stocking the shelves like you might have in the past. So there's a whole gap between what humans like and what we can do. So some of the ideas come out of the science of well-being, and so there's a bit of science to it, and, and some of it comes out from a lot of research showing that the things people are missing most is that sense of well-being and belonging. You know, belonging is a new thing that's come out. Uh, It's one thing you talk about diversity and inclusion, but it's belonging. People want to belong. So the first thing you need to do is understand your mind. Your mind, you have to collaborate with it. I know that may sound strange, but your mind does exactly what it thinks that you want it to do. So if you think that it's lonely, then your mind will wake you up in the morning saying, what will I do alone today? Not such a good thing to do. But if you can, I just uh, uh, can I stop, Andy? Can I just stop you because I'm thinking about people who are, and I don't know how you would define this. That's why I'm going to ask you. There are people who are 
in situations where they are not necessarily alone. They're with three generation, like three generational family situations. So they have a lot of people living in one house or in one apartment, but yet they don't have contact with other people. They're they're confined to those four, five, six, seven, eight people. How do they fit into that category, into these categories? Because that's different than being, say, alone by yourself or, say, with a partner than, you know, than what I just described. Well, it it is and it isn't. I mean, in a sense, you're with people, but you want other people. You want to sit at a bar and talk to people. You want to go out with friends. I uh, spoke with somebody yesterday, and they had gone out with six friends to a to a restaurant that could take them in, and they all they did nothing but talk the whole time. So I fully appreciate what you're saying. But the same process is if you collaborate with your mind, you can tell it that it's okay. And that there are things you can do. So I'll give you some of the things to do to make it actually okay. Um, You know, if you can plan weekends where you can go out um, and walk the beach, begin to see people. If we talk to people, even strangers, our sense of well-being and happiness goes up. And so you can head out to a park. Um, and then with a mask, begin to talk to people who you may not know very well, but you'll be amazed how everybody is open to conversations in a way that can help you sense that this is really important. Um, the second thing to do is use Zoom. I know we're Zoomed out, but I haven't spent as much time with my grandkids on the West Coast as I have this year, even though I haven't seen them physically. Every Sunday we have a Zoom family time, and everybody gets on and yaks, and it's fun. And we've had birthday parties with 30 people on there celebrating. You can use it. Remember, you can't, you can't get rid of the pandemic yet. And you may not be able to get out and hang out in that bar, the restaurant, and go out to the club or play golf with the folks that you'd like to. But you can do things that you can do. Um, if you're a Facebook person, and I'm not a particularly good one, um, there's lots of stuff on Facebook to bring you into groups. And we have a, a roundtable that's tied into uh, Rethink, our new book that's out. And, and we have 150 women who are coming together to share their ideas and their thoughts. And one, on Monday a month, we gather. And there's another group of thought leaders that we've put together. And they come together once a month. And I can't stop the program. It's so funny. <laughs> I said, do you really want to do this? Oh, yeah. Because they bring the need to talk about something that's going on with people who they really don't know very well, but they are enjoying tremendously. And, and that's the part that adds a whole new dimension to what's going here. Book groups are terrific on Zoom. I'm, I've never been in a book group. I've always flown every year for 120,000 miles. I'm a speaker. I'm a consultant. I'm always on the road. This year, I haven't been on the road at all. So a friend of mine in Indiana, I live in New York, invited me into her Bloomington book club. And I enjoy it every month, and I read the books with most diligence, and I get together with people I've never met, but I I enjoy tremendously. So you can. So in other words, what you're saying, Andy, when you're giving these examples of Zoom and book clubs and Facebooks, you're really connecting with more people, perhaps in a different way than you would ordinarily, and you it's it's many many more connections, different types of connections, but more, uh, which is really. Yeah, which I think is good, which is interesting. And I, one of the things I wanted to comment, too, on the Zoom thing you're mentioning, I was talking to a friend. Uh, you know, sometimes when you talk to your – and I've been living with my grandchildren, not now. They have now have their own house but uh, with their parents. But, uh, you know, you can 
connect on Zoom and you get all the good stuff and then you can say goodbye and you don't have all the other <laughs> stuff going on, the screaming Very and true. the crying and all that. And so you just get the best of both. There are some positive aspects is what I'm saying. Yeah. You see, you're collaborating with your mind. You've just turned lemons into lemonade or limes into exactly. margarines, haven't you? Right? Yeah. yeah. Um, but, but this is all about doing just that. Your mind does exactly what it thinks you want it to do. So if you want to be miserable, go right ahead. But if you don't, you're going to begin to find, to your point, a lot of other people who you never would have known come into your life in very rich ways. And I'm not sure I want to give any of this up. It's a very uh, interesting time for people to care about each other. And, and I've built a network of friends uh, well beyond those I would have met otherwise. There's a group of thought leaders who get together every Tuesday for an hour. I've never met any of them. I love them all. It's the strangest thing. So, And I've been at home with my husband now for a year. We've never spent this much time together. We both usually traveled a great deal, sometimes apart, sometimes together. But it's becoming a very interesting time to use the new platforms in new ways. Two other things, though, that that are important. So what I'm going to interrupt you. So what about you've been with your husband a year and you two were obviously, as you say, traveling all over. Um, What's that been like? What are some of the issues you've had to deal with? Because it's very different if you've been a couple who's, as you described, who have very, you know, different careers doing different things. And now you're, I don't want to use the word stuck, but you are together. Um. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I won't generalize all um, marriages. All I know is I've been with my husband for 54 years. We've been married for 52 years. Congratulations. And and we are celebrating the joy that we have because we're still happy. We still laugh a lot. We took, before it got cold here in New York, we used to take walks every day. We never did that before. And we would just talk. Sometimes we'd walk quietly and not say anything. Um, But we, we found, and I've become a cook that I've never had time for. We don't go out for dinner, but and we don't even order in. We're having such fun cooking. He's cooking with me. And so we've rediscovered the joy that we had when we first met, and actually we've had for our whole lives. And it's just come together in a new package. And then, of course, like so many, we bought a puppy. And Penny has become a real important focus for our time outside together, our joy inside together. But we happen to be a wonderfully happy couple after all these years together. And we're a, I don't want to go back traveling again. I don't want to be alone. I've discovered that the more time we have, it's more important than ever. So I turned lemons into lemonade quite quickly and I said, this is going to be fun. Let's, let, it's in your mind. And don't underestimate the power of that mind to make lemons into lemonade and take something that you can't change and turn it into something joyful. For well, you it too. sounds like you've done that. I mean, you know, you, you've definitely done that. And as you said, you don't want to lose it even when the pandemic is over. I mean, you'll main, you, and I think for many people, they're going to keep a lot of these habits or different ways of connecting and interacting uh, even at, even when we're able to go out and yeah. You know, be at a restaurant or go to the movies or whatever we do. I, and I think that, yeah, I think that's really important. One of the other things you mentioned, uh, because we said there were eight different ways to not be lonely or to have that sense of not, not yep. having that sense of loneliness. One of them was tutoring somebody, talk yes. about helping somebody, mentoring somebody yep. else. And that's easy to do online. That's very easy to do online. So, um, yeah, tell us about that. Well, you know, it is... Um uh, one of the things in the science of well-being are acts of kindness. So I put tutoring down because it's something tangible, but it, whether you're mentoring a woman 
who is, you know, in a business situation or somebody who's trying to figure out how to be a successful attorney or accountant or whatever, and we do that, um, what we find is that the tutoring is easier because nobody has to travel and the time spent is very efficient, but the time on Zoom is a very valuable. I've been working with women across the country as part of my program and the ones in Asheville or Houston or New Jersey, we, we are finding that the time that we're spending together is rich and um, they're growing and I am as well. I, I say that because when you mentor or tutor somebody, you change as you are helping them to do that. And mentoring, there's lots of stuff online about how to be a good mentor and a good mentee. It's as much to know how to receive it as it is to give it. So you can almost develop new skills as you're reaching out with acts of kindness to help somebody else. And they, too, can be asking you for a hand that you might not have had in another time. But it's a great time to think about kindness. How can I do something kind? And why will that address the loneliness I feel? Because when you do something kind, all of a sudden your whole sense of well-being rises. And so let's do some of the things that we know work, and it's a good time to try them. Yeah, You talk about receiving. What do you mean by that? You can hone in on your receiving skills. How do you do that? Well, you know, we've learned about, um, I use feedback as an example. I have two leadership academies that we work through. And leaders need to understand how, by giving feedback, it sometimes works and sometimes doesn't. Receiving feedback or conversations needs a little skill development. And so even in the acts of kindness, the tutoring, the book groups, and so forth, think about how you receive the comments. Everything's feedback. And are you open to them? Are you thinking about growing with them? Turn them into something of value to you as opposed to what we typically do when somebody says something is we resist it or we fear it or we flee it or we appease it or we we just don't like it. Well, turn it around and begin to say, that they're telling me something. How can I do something with that? How can I make it useful? And what you'll find in dressing the loneliness part is that all of a sudden you're going to feel different about that conversation and the thoughts that came to you from somebody else in a conversation, a feedback loop. Uh, We don't realize it, but intelligent conversations are all feedback. I'm saying something, you're saying something. And as we do that, we are reacting to them and trying to make them valuable in some fashion to us. And so the more you can open yourself up to hear and listen, you're going to find that things will be coming at you, even my conversation today. I know there are people who are going to say, oh, that's silly. Well, try it. Go take a walk. You know, go take a walk in the woods, even by yourself, and see how it makes your quiet mind feel better. A lot of this is understanding how the mind is so much in control of how you see, feel, and think that you're going to have to begin to collaborate with it to change it. Does that make sense? That makes sense, and, I, and I'm thinking of it in terms of how you've described your personal life. I mean, that's you're talking about mentoring and receiving, and that's that's sort of part of what a marriage is, why you've been so successful 50-plus years and even enjoying it more together um, during this pandemic, because I think that's, a, a you know, just as a therapist, uh, couples have difficulty with those issues, giving and receiving. It, you know, it works yeah, with a couple. People have difficulty <laughs> with those issues. Yeah, to your yeah. point... I mean, yeah. it doesn't matter if the leader and a follower, an employee, or it's a com- it's a marriage, or it's a sister and a brother. Um, humans are real complicated. I mean, we uh, um, we protect ourselves often to a fault. 
I want to also emphasize, because now I'm in a suburban situation, usually I'm in the city and walking, as you say, I, I walk in the neighborhood and I, over the past year, I've talked to strangers, people in the neighborhood I never knew, and, and we're, <laughs> I feel like sometimes I've been desperate just to talk to them and they to talk to me, have spent, you know, a half an hour talking to somebody. <laughs> to a total stranger who you just to, became yeah. a good friend of, right? Yeah, and very quickly, no. and sharing all of these uh, the issues that have come up during the pandemic, et cetera, and it does feel good. It really nourishes you, I guess is the word. It does nourish you, and uh, it, it gets rid of those feelings of, of loneliness. Um, what about – yeah, go ahead. No, please, go ahead. What about – what would you – because you do, obviously, you're doing a lot of mentoring. You are involved in all of these things that you just mentioned. What, what would you say was some of the specific issues that, that Pete, that uh, – that, I was going to say that women have uh, during this pandemic that are, you know, emotionally mm-hmm. charged that have been really difficult for them. Yeah, it's a great question. One of the things that I'm finding as I'm doing my executive coaching is that they don't have tools in their toolkit to change something. And so, to your point, all of a sudden they have their mother or mother-in-law and their kids at home, and they're successful but they don't have any tools for figuring out how to reorganize the house. Sometimes they're doing it. And how to engage the husband or the, or the boyfriend into the, the mix. And how do, how do I do this? And I said that to you because I've been working with one woman, and she just doesn't know how to do it. And I'm, I'm laughing now, but it's not funny because there's been nothing in her development or training. You know, she got her degree, she got her MBA, she has her job, she knows how to do it really well, and now the, the venue has changed, but so are the skills that you need. And so part of this is just talking out loud about let's, let's come up with some ideas Let's talk about things that you can do and see how they work. And, and it's okay to not do them well because you're learning on the job. Mistakes, there's a whole field of mistakeology. It's a good time to make mistakes. You'll learn from them. But it requires a little humility and a sense that I don't really know how to do this, guy. So let's figure it out ourselves. And, and that becomes um, a theme because in many ways the woman is in control of that home. Um, and even the guy who's now working at home sees them in control of that space. And then um, how do I, I work it? So that's a, a big area. The other area is that I have a client, and he has 70 of his employees remote. And they're having a difficult time putting people up on the video screens when they come back together. So if you're feeling lonely, then please turn on your videos when you're doing a Zoom in a meeting. Because people read each other's faces. They're looking for cues. And, and, and your socializing comes out of this. And for both guys and gals, um, there's, there's a, it's okay to get dressed in front of a Zoom meeting. It's okay to take care and show people it matters. You know, take a little concern. People say, well, you know, I, 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 I'm not cleaned up. I said, well, so get cleaned up. I mean, really? <laughs> if you went into the office, you would get cleaned up. Take a little time and realize it matters. And there's a whole, I've been asked for a couple of talks on how do you hold good virtual meetings? How do I get people to actually talk? And, and this is requiring some interesting um, uh, innovation on how, do, how did you get them to talk in, in, a, in a meeting in, in an office? And, and why are they not prepared to say something? And how are you as the leader or the manager uh, preparing them with the right questions um, it's not a bad time for everyone to have a role to play in that meeting. It's as if it's a performance. 
you're on stage and everybody has a, a role and something to say and you more are an enabler than a director. So everything is changing. Um, I specialize in helping organizations and people change. So if nothing else, what I've been, it's very busy because people don't know how to change. So this is a whole new venue. So there's a playbook for that, right? There is a You have a book coming out, don't you? I do. My book came out January, right in time for the January 6th. Um, <laughs> so we had our book launch last night, and the book is called Rethink, Smashing the Myths of Women in Business. And I must tell you, I had a couple hundred people there last night on a virtual book launch that I never could have done if I had to do it in person. But it was great fun. All right. So talk to us about the book. Well, the book... It uh, came about because uh, my husband and I launched the Simon Initiative for Entrepreneurship at Washington University in St. Louis. And at one of our summits there, we were talking to women, and we realized they were looking for role models. And so I started to write a book called The Gift of Story, where women could serve as role models for other women by telling their stories. And then my husband was listening to me talk about, I mean, I interviewed over 50 women. He said, you know, these women are smashing the myths of women in business. I said, oh my, that's a much better book. And I went back and rewrote it. And I tell you the origin myth, I'm an anthropologist, so we live our myths. That's my origin myth for the book. The book came out, it's gotten rave reviews, it's ranked number nine in e-books on women in business. It's a book filled with 10, 11 stories of women who smashed the myth. Not a single one intended to. But they all, like yourself, simply said, of course I can. And so Maria Gallo is a president of a university. Only a third of our universities have women as presidents. And often they come in when the university is, is broken. She's doing a fabulous job. But she didn't really plan on going there. She was a scientist. And it's interesting. Andy Kramer is a story about a lady lawyer who was told never to be a lady lawyer. So what does she do? She jumps the hurdles, and there are lots of them in her story, became a partner in a large firm, and has now got four books out, and she's working to help address gender bias in the workplace. Really interesting women sharing their stories. Um, the same Radicchio has a book called Bitcoin Pizza. She's a fabulous creator. Um, she's an anthropologist and a technologist. And by combining the two, understands the social implications of technology. And she's just a, a, a super creative person. So Rethink, Smashing the Myths of Women in Business is the name of the book. And, and it is a readable. That One of the reviewers said to me, at least I have a book now to give to my 17-year-old daughter. And she can see how people do it, not just to be told to do it. And I went, yep, that's how it is. So how to do it, not just to do it. I think that's really a good point, how to do it. And we need more. I mean, that's great. That's I'm so glad that uh, you uh, uh, gave us, you know, talking about the book. But so, okay, so where do we get the book websites we can go to for information about the book and about because you're still doing you're doing more than you ever did. It sounds like to me during this (laughs) pandemic. I am. And we're working on a program to come out in May 1st called Rethink Your Journey with Andy Simon coming out of the book. But the book you can get a free chapter. It's at andysimon.com. That's A-N-D-I, simon.com. Amazon, Barnes & Noble, your local booksellers all have them. And it is a great time for you to rethink your own life's journey. And at the end of the book, there's some how-tos. And it's a good time to just reflect. Take a mirror, look in, and say, who are you? And am I where I want to be? And if I am, great. But if I'm not happy, how do I get to the next step? And life is a journey. So that's what we're happy doing. That's so exciting. It's really, really exciting. It's, uh, I thank you so much for being on the show today and uh, definitely will read your book and recommend it to 
recommend it to my audience, obviously. So, Mike, um, thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. Andy Simon, Ph.D., I'm Catherine Zox, your social worker with a microphone, and you've been listening to The Catherine Zox Show. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you 